Alright, and we're in it. Welcome back to uh, to having lunch. It's been a it's been a, a bit of a break, but now we're now so we're ready to go. Part two was dinner. Now it's tea. Now it's tea. We're just kind of moving through all things. Yeah, um, getting through getting through all the meals in the season, you know. <laughs> so eventful past seventy two hours. Definitely eventful past seventy two hours. We were just chatting before uh, about election stuff, and and while generally I'd like to stay away from like politics, politics, I think. Talking more abstract political philosophy, so like about the type of political systems that we want, yeah, I think is is perfectly viable and good content. And so what, what we were saying right before we uh, started this questions. podcast, oh Are yeah, down to talk about. Uh, so this is like something that's kind of prevalent, yeah. but like it's capitalism versus socialism and big government versus little government. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll talk. Yeah, 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 I would I would talk about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just just like just to. Like, you know, set some, set some yeah. ground rules, some boundaries. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely be down to talk about that okay. um, and the ways in which my thinking has changed and, you know, hear how yours has changed as well. Mm. But so we, we were kind of, yeah, one more just before. Mm-hmm. So coming from a uh, very Orthodox Jewish background, is the Orthodox Jewish, like, voting populace tend to be similar to the Reform Jewish voting Extremely populace? Extremely different. Orthodox really? Jews vote 70 plus percent Republican. Really? Whereas the rest of Jews vote is, 70 plus percent Democrat. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fascinating. I wonder, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's like a whole issue for another time. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. anyways. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I want you to kind of repeat what you were saying to me before, but the idea of having one presidential, one candidate or one person who is responsible for everything, who has all the power and it's a popularity contest is kind of insane, right? Like when the founders started this country, the office of the president was basically to conduct foreign policy and be like a general face of the administration in case of, you know, calming the public, um, in case of emergencies, and just like generally giving, uh, being like some kind of steadying force, but not really to have like lots of influential power. And now yeah. it's because of, you know, the, the connectivity, the internet, mass media, it's a complete popularity contest and the president has, you know, a, a pretty large amount of power, much larger than I think was originally envisioned, but also, I think that the federal government right now has much more power than was originally envisioned by, by the founders of this country as well. Well, I also imagine the founders of the country, because like the thing is, if you think about it, like imagine what the world's going to be like in 20 years. You know, you have a, you have conception, but you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And so the founders of the country weren't planning for 2020. Mm-hmm. The founders of the country were planning for fucking... 18, yeah, 50. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maximum, maximum, yeah. maximum yeah. at the very most. And so I think domestically, I think I think in terms of foreign policy, having the president as a communicator from both like the American system to other countries is important, mm-hmm. but yeah. I also think it's a good go-between for the bureaucracy to the people. Yeah. I think I think it works in both those capacities, but I think domestically, the main job of the president is to delegate to people who know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Because one person can't know about military spending mm. and tax policy and just like you can't know how to do these things well as one yeah because like the people who are best at what they do do one thing and do it right it's like yeah. you can't expect someone to be able to do all this yeah. shit well I, I want the president to have a general understanding of these things so when they see the daily briefings you know they can have a good sense of what's going they on speak when, the yeah. language like they, they can speak the language yeah. but i don't want the president writing the tax bill right writing the tax bill is hundreds of pages and it's hundreds of hours, right? The president should not 
need to know how to do those things. I want someone, just as you said, who's smart, can make good decisions, has a history of making good decisions, and has a generally good process for thinking about things, and then they'll like get good people surrounding them that will tell them what to do. So I think the qualities that I really want in a good in a good president are one strong communicator. Yeah. Strong communicator in terms of being able to speak to the populace in a way that is clear and understandable and is transparent. Yeah. And I want someone who's good at delegating. And I want someone who is good at conflict resolution. Yeah. In terms of not just in terms of like foreign policy wars and all that, because there's like a system in place for that. But I mean in terms of like having these committees that are making decisions. And then you're going to have smart people on those committees, and those smart people are going to disagree at some point. Yeah. And I want the president to be someone who can walk in there and hear both sides and not come to a decision so much as help them reach a decision. Yeah. I think that would be amazing. Ideal. Amazing, Ideal. yeah. But a, like a big issue that I think comes in terms of confronting that is that the president is the most powerful, famous person in the world, and a lot of the candidates enter it for their own ego to like yeah. stroke it and like to be that person. And that shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be to help every, like, like it's weird to say, but the president should be less like an egomaniac and more like the Dalai Lama and like an ideal so, world, someone that cares about the people, you know? So I'll tell you, um, I'll talk a little about Walden too, uh, which I think I mentioned to you. I was reading that book, I finished it um, a little while was ago. Was that guns, uh, like metal and no, 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 not your, not guns, your skill. Walden Two is um is also a fantastic book. It's a novel by this guy B. F. Skinner, okay. uh, written in nineteen forty eight. Literally a, a complete uh, visionary. This guy is like the father of a bunch of like psychology. Like if you take psychology classes, like there's Skinner's this and that. Like he has a lot of the uh, operant conditioning stuff. Like is so Freud, but not a nonsense man. Not a nonsense man at all. Yeah, I mean he he was a really really smart dude, and he yeah. wrote this novel about. Uh, a utopian sort of commune society mm. um, within America in like some future year. I don't think I don't think he gives a particular date to it. And it's the cast of characters is really amazing. Like the okay. the, the founder of the place is this one dude is this guy Frazier. Is it a narrative? It's a novel. Okay. And then at the end, like you figure out like the, what the per. It's very interesting. I don't want to like spoil the the whole thing. Um, but I will like try and provide some insights. It was very cool how he did it. He had like these two professors, one of whom was an extreme skeptic and one of whom was somewhat of a skeptic, somewhat open, and they, they had lots of really good conversations between each of these different pairs of twos, and then there were two younger couples that were coming, and there was lots of discussion about if they would stay. The, the, idea is, the idea is basically they have this commune, um, that completely reimagines the way that like people live their lives. Like you want to say, commune is it like kibbutz? Like something it, like a kibbutz, right? So basically, it, everyone shared works shared resources, shared, fully shared okay. resources. Everyone works um, two credit hours a day. Um, now, credit hours um, could or two gets two credits a day. Like some jobs um, that are in extremely high demand, you will only get like. Um, let's say half a credit for an hour, and some jobs that are not in high demand at all, you can get two credits for um, doing one hour, right? Okay. And, and it's they really balance out supply and demand for jobs. So, like for example, uh, you know, working in the childcare facilities or like doing the working in the gardens, right? These are things that like lots of people would do even in their leisure time, and so they're paid not so heavily at all. But people who are doing um, you know hard, maybe different types of labor like dishwashing or um, I don't know, being janitor or something like that, or, or, yeah. or just like more 
worse jobs get more um, at more credit per hour worked. And so it's actually supply and demand such that like basically everyone has almost equivalent um, or like everyone is working and everyone's working an equal-ish amount, right? Instead of, you know, with, with communism, straight communism where it's like to each um, according to like what he can produce, like it, it's kind there's, of yeah, like that. straight communism, there's no credit system. It's more like you're just giving out like bushels of wheat. And yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's division of resources. Yeah, and this is a really that. smart way of doing it and then they have a whole system for like who gets to be doctors um, because there are certain things that need to be specialized. But anyway, the point is that wages wages in terms of credit fluctuate um, based on you know supply and demand for what the people actually want mm. and then there's extremely vibrant uh, you know arts uh, literature music um, all of these types of things that there's all sorts of other cultural things that are going on but basically um, it's not a democratic society the way it works is that there are managers who are these experts um, that like that know like there's a manager of like public health and they like know all the stuff about public health and like they are in charge of that um and there's like a bunch of different managers and then among the managers they vote on a group of planners who are in there for i think it's like a five-year term and they're in charge of planning everything in the community um but it's run in the way it's run sort of like a business as if the people living in the society are the customers of the planners. Um, and, and it's just really, really, like it's not a democracy, but people don't want it to be a democracy because they know that they, they shouldn't be voting for the planners because they don't know the most stuff. Like the people who should be voting for the planners are the people who made it all the way up to be managers. And the manager of public health and the manager of education and the manager of food services should be the ones Voting for the voting for the planners, it's, it's super so super interesting. Enough, that's kind of how our country was designed initially. Because exactly, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like you wouldn't have like Joe Sixpack working on the farm be voting for the president. You'd have like the the Ben Franklin. You'd have the educated, which well, is, for the Senate, for the Senate yeah. was not elected by Joe Sixpack working on the farm. Well, just because there's no way I mean, you couldn't do it. There was no system of organization to have polls, and like you couldn't you couldn't have it organized. So like it ended up being more like like that kind of system where it's like the people who know to vote are the ones voting. Well, I think just to clarify, I believe the, the president and the house at first, I think were still done through popular vote where Joe Sixpack would vote. The Senate was elected by like New York State, the governor of New York State or the mm -hmm. state Senate would elect two senators and send them to the Senate. So Joe Sixpack had no direct look. And, and ultimately, the Electoral College did the same thing, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Sixpack would vote for who he wanted in New York State for president, and then New York State would send electors to vote for the people that the most Joe Sixpack voted for. And the purpose of the electors were like, if some shit goes down in the two weeks between the popular vote and by the time they get accounted, like if one of them dies or like something crazy happens, the electors like could make a change. But with the Senate, Joe Sixpack had no say at all who get chosen a senator. So, big question, thoughts yeah. on the elect, well, first of all, it makes sense that like then, there like have been very few circumstances in history where like the electoral college was like voted for someone that was different than like the population yeah. of, but like it has happened. Once or twice, yeah. Yeah, once or twice, but what are your thoughts on the electoral college in today's world? Do you think- We, don't, we don't need it at all, 
and it's a completely dumb system. This is absolutely stupid. You think it'd be better if it's just a popular vote? Um, depends what you mean by better. Better. Uh, what are the ways that it could be better? You know, it would be more of a democracy. Yeah, it would reflect the will of the people, right? Candidates. Well, I, I could. I. I'm not saying I agree with this, but I, an argument could be made against it because it's like, how do you view democracy in a country this big? Do you view it by, uh, why? by strict number of people or by points of view based on like area? Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> think know? this should. I, I will, and I'll say this, um, like, un, pretty unabashedly. Um, I don't think this should be one country, or not one country in the way any more in the way than Europe is one country. Yeah, I, like I, I think. We should look something like Europe, and right? be, uh, be uh, the American Union. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right? There are clearly radically different points of view. Um, if you look north, south, east, west, or the coasts and the middle, like radically mostly radical. coast versus middle. A lot of like. coast versus yeah. middle, um, but also somewhat north south uh, yeah, is also yeah, true. Is true. also relevant. Um, so, like, I don't know, maybe having like starting off with four regional blocks might make a lot of sense. Um, but like you still want to have the overall union that you know allows for free commerce, um, make sure that there's no infighting um, between the different states. But you know why why is why are tons of people um, forced or, or even within the states, right? Like I think many states should break up to smaller regions, right? Like why are the people living in Louisville um, forced to have uh, Mitch McConnell as their senator, right? Like, they totally don't have that preference, but because the rural areas of Louisville are much larger, uh, they have Mitch McConnell as their senator, in the same way that rural areas in New York are pretty heavily Republican, but they have Chuck Schumer as their senator. Yeah, because it's uh, dominated by the city. Yeah, and so it's like, wait, so, like, based on where the arbitrary state lines are, um, like, if the city has more population than the rural vote, then the rural people are disenfranchised, but if it's the other way around, then then the, the city people are disenfranchised. Like, why should anyone have to be really disenfranchised? Yeah, based on these dudes who took a map and had these stupid lines. <laughs> what? And now people today have to be disenfranchised, and their votes matter more or less, or like the whole conception. I mean, this is specifically a, a Democratic primary problem, but also a Republican primary problem. Like, if you live in Iowa, the amount of ad dollars spent on you and the amount of time that candidates spend in your state is hundreds of times more than the than what they spend per person in California. Thousands of times more than what they spend per person. And that's pretty insane. Super insane. That like if you live in Iowa, your vote actually matters like a thousand times more than your vote in, in California. It's okay. So I guess like tying time back in the the book you were talking about, oh, Walden which, too, yeah. which name was Walden Two. Yeah. Walden Two. Yeah. Skinner. Okay, yeah. so tying that into like modern practice. Yeah. So I'd say I guess the argument against that is, or against that system, and more for like a capitalist like competitive system is yeah. like how do you guarantee the people who are doing the job best are in those roles? And it's because the people who know or what do you mean by, what do you mean by okay? So we I think there's kind of two separate questions. So one is the planner, and then one is the people who are yeah. doing duties on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So something interesting that was set in the Walden Two book was the founder dude who like no longer was in any official position. He was like 
if I wanted to run this like a business, I would tell people they have to run, do double the amount of credit hours and we could just be milking profit, right? But the idea is that the state is this nonprofit entity um, and they only make, enough, do, make people do enough credit hours such that, such that they have enough money to do like foreign exchange is what they call it, which is like pay taxes and like exchange for any goods that they can't get on the premises. There's a whole host of other things about how it's run, by the way, because it's not like subject to all these like short term like voters and uh, who, who are like not looking at like long term plans. They're able to run like mass scientific experiments on the population uh, in terms of education, in terms of daily nutrition and just like try in out a positive way? in a completely positive way, okay. right? Like try out all sorts of different things and see what works. And if it works, keep doing it. If it doesn't work, try something else. Uh, in a way that like we would not be able to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my only qualm with that is if you're running, if you're running an experiment that goes wrong on like a group of people in terms of their education, those people are fucked for. Yeah, because like the they, thing is, if you're running, if you're running experiment in classrooms, in like, like have you heard about the like eye color experiment that was shown to like like talk about like racism in the classroom? Oh yeah, yeah, the wave, yeah. Yeah, where it was like it was like. So I, I guess the idea was there was a teacher who was like, all right, everyone with yeah. brown eyes yeah, 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 yeah. is going to be worse yeah, than everyone with blue eyes yeah. today, or like maybe the opposite, whichever yeah. way it was. And like groups formed, like racism came out, like whatever, whatever, whatever. Like cool experiment, nice to talk about, but imagine the like psychological yeah, yeah, yeah. impact it had on those kids. Yeah. So humans are impressionable. So if you're using, if you're experimenting on the public, there's going to be yeah. repercussions. Well, ultimately they were looking, the founder was looking at this as like a multi-generational project. Um, yeah, which is like I guess a good perspective for a founder to have. Yeah, it's yeah. tough from a moral stance to like do that. Yeah, it's tough. I think though it's better than just staying with the status quo of you know what we were doing in the fifties. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. basically their whole the system of education was super fascinating. It's something that I I'm, I think a lot about. Um, basically, children uh, they also like have much less strong family structures on okay. on, on purpose. Um, but like children basically live on their own um, with other children of their age group in these nurseries. And there's adult supervision that's there. It's not necessarily their parents, but like all three to five year olds in the community like live together. Um, and it's, it's just like, it's very, very interesting. I think that's probably contrary to human nature and like evolution. Yeah. Just because yeah. I think, I think adults, even if it works for the kids, I think the adults would suffer. Um, so, okay, so because it's not, it's beneficial for adults to have kids. Like, any adult you talk to is just yeah. like, like, yeah, like, I didn't have my shit figured out until I, there was a little person that just needed me yeah. to have my shit figured out. Well, parents, yeah. parents go, well, okay, I'll say a couple things. First thing is that there isn't really shit to figure out if you um, live in the society, but yeah. more, moreover, a lot of parents do choose to go work in the nurseries. Um, but the entire the premise of the book that, like, yeah. that they like have like a exactly. biological urge to yeah and yeah. it's it's a it's a very high, a job that's in very high demand but ultimately what the book is about oh very high it's well there's very so, high there's a lot of people that want to do it or there's a lot of need there's a lot of people it. who want to do it okay. and there's a lot of need for it okay. um, so it's like a pretty overall ends up being like pretty average Probably you get paid a little less than on average. Okay. Less okay. than on average. Which is, uh, that's a super interesting system. Like, super I think I get it. Yeah. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Is that, do you think that ends up happening in capitalism in terms no, of pay? No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Because like, is there like, like, the most, the worst not, jobs not, are like working at McDonald's or like being a janitor and yeah. getting paid the least. 
The but, best jobs get paid the most. No, no, no. But the idea of supply and demand in the capitalist structure is that that's the job that most people could do. Because everyone can walk yeah. into McDonald's and get, well, not, I mean, not everyone, but like, most people can walk into McDonald's and get a, a job. strong, like, 90% of the population can walk into McDonald's and do the job. Yeah. But, like, and then pay is based on narrowing the pot. So, yeah. we, like, let's say we both want to be in finance, we both want to be somewhere in that industry. Fewer people, like, the pop percentage, it. yeah, it's yeah. like maybe maybe ten at the top. Yeah, so right? this so whole that's why they're compensated. More. But the point of this system is that why should we care about these? Like, well, basically, the education system is radically different, right? It's saying our education system, mostly in America, tests for an extremely specific type of intelligence. Extremely um, like, specific. How good are you at like retaining information and then like putting it back on like essays and tests, which is like a crazy specific type of information. They're just like, no, like we are able to curate students' educations. Like we will just be like, oh, this person like has much more musical talents or like athletic talents or this and that, and just completely wipe away the standardized system of like tests and notes and plot, like just completely different. Um, and like the entire premise of the society is like we are going to run social experiments and like just make things better and better and just like figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, and like, do no, have you read the book Nudge by Richard Thaler? Uh, it's like about like micro moves, like push people in the right direction. Yeah, like really, and it, he talks about like a bunch of examples, like easy ones, like putting the default as a check yes to organ donation instead of a check no raises the rate from like twenty percent to seventy percent because most people just do go with the default option. So yeah. like they do so many like nudges, just like with like healthy food placement or like where they put like concert stuff and just like so many smart nudges to get people to do things that are healthier for them and make their lives better. Um, so I can understand why people would be like opposed to that. It's like, oh, I don't want my life to be controlled by like a system of government or things like that. Yeah. But that's not my perspective because your perspective is already like being altered yeah. by the things like yeah. that are put into it. Whether it's like, whether it's media, whether it's advertising, like whatever the case may yeah. be, these nudges are already happening, so why not have it be done in a positive way rather yeah. than in a way that's beneficial for the people that can get the yeah. best out there? Yeah, so and, and I, I think I, so. I'm not opposed to that conception. I'm not either. I think I used to be. I, I, think, I can understand that. You know, it makes yeah. sense, but like I'm not. I think from from this book, one of the things that I, I really gleaned, and one of the cool things the state oh, uses, still Walden too. Okay, okay. Um, the state uses has no force. Like it doesn't use any force. No force. Like they don't have no like police. Army or, no police yeah, yeah. or army. And so people can leave if they don't like it. And so that's how the planners are held accountable, right? Like if you don't like what they're doing, you can just leave, and you can leave with everything that you came in with. Okay. Um, what if I'm? What if I'm? Uh, what if I'm chaotic evil okay. and extremely charismatic? And I can motivate people to turn against the system of government. Well, they don't say, vote. They don't vote. People yeah, don't vote. What if they have a violent uprising? I'm saying I think I... Against who? Against whoever the, the planner planners. is. Yeah. Because, well, I'm just saying... What's I, a committee? I think, planners, but yeah. I, but I, think, I think government needs to... I think there needs to be a threat of physical... I think that's just how people are. I think there needs to be a threat of some kind of like disciplinary action implemented by some kind of... I think you need to have a police... You need to have an army. I would argue. I would I argue that. the only reasons why you need that are because of scarcity. 
right? I think it, in for almost all human history, I would argue that that's true. I think if everyone has their basic needs fulfilled and nobody has a lot more than other people, there will not be ceiling. So I think the, the premise of communism is completely right. And I would hope that in the future human societies, like once we can automate more and more things, it just seems almost obvious to me that that's what we should be doing. Uh, I did the idea is pro probably came about a little too early for its time because our, our information spreading systems um, and our technology was not good enough um, to make these communist systems work. And there was no way to hold the central planners accountable. And so th those were the problems. But I think that there is a real way in the future uh, that like once more and more things can be automated and we can have much better, like really on demand senses of what people want and need I think there's no reason why we can't have some kind of central planning system, even something run mostly by computers and like by AI, which would be like my preference. We're going to live in an AI controlled society. Okay, so here is, I wouldn't call it like a rebuttal, I'd just call it a thought. Yeah. So we talked about the concepts of baselines for people. Yeah. And in terms of, like just in terms of like everything, we like base things off other things, right? Yeah. So I think when. Like, just because you have things doesn't mean that, like, negative emotions or negative thoughts disappear. Yeah, I, I think agree. that's something yeah. that's innate to people. Yeah. Like, and some of the most, some of the most, like, troubled, depressed kids I've known are kids of billionaires or multi-multi-billionaires yeah. who have things and have resources. Yeah. And they have that all, and the reason they feel like shit to such a greater extent is because the things are good, and they can't understand why they feel like shit, like, why they feel bad. So I, in this in this circumstance where even like everyone has like similar amounts of everything and everyone has enough and everyone's like whatever and everyone's working by and, the way and okay and everyone I working. think that's a big part of it is that they are not working for their stuff so they don't value their stuff. Oh, interesting. So that's the because I was gonna everyone say, is contributing to the society. Okay. Equally, everyone is contributing fully equally to the society and getting equally. That is the thing that is that is key. So I think in order to like reach a place like that, you would definitely have to remove, to a certain extent, family dynamics and raise people in like more of that kind of exactly incubator like type space. Yeah. Just because they're social engineering. Yeah. They're doing social engineering to teach children that that is the norm, and then it is the norm. Yeah. Just because like family. Well, I mean, and it works. I mean, and or it could work. well, there's like a trend in families of like like like. I'm fucked up, so therefore, but I'm I'm fucked up, but I'm gonna teach that kid my worldview anyway, yeah. and then he ends up fucked up too. Yeah. So I think if you could remove that aspect of it, that becomes way more feasible. Because if you maintain like family dynamics, you're gonna get kids who are just like, fuck this, like I don't want to yeah. contribute to the society, like. You know? Yeah, and it's it's also one of those things in in Walden too, where they are just like they're gonna have a max for their given society, like a thousand people, a couple thousand people, whatever it is. And then you just go and start a new community um, once you surpass that size, just because it's infeasible and like too hard to organize people like more than like 5,000 people on, on that kind of scale. Okay. So what do you think about this thought right here? Uh, communism or possibly socialism or like yeah. a very big government is running a country like a business and capitalism, 
conversely, is running a country like an economy, like a system of businesses. Thoughts on that? Um, well, because that was communism is so, is is running like an individual. Well, I mean, it might not even be a business, like an individual organization where all yeah, the people are yeah. moving parts. Yeah. But capitalism is more like there are these groups, sure. and then it's it's the organization of these groups. Sure. Okay. I'm I'm kind of in for like that's what a market is. So I'm yeah, in for that. That was like the way I conceptualized it to myself. I wasn't sure yeah. if that was like a real thought. Yeah. But, like, I think that, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. In that's, like, my view, communism only can and only will work on extremely small scales. Yeah. And so. You know, because of conflict. Yeah, and I think that, like, trying to create more socialist policies in, like, for a country of 300 million people is not going to do so good and, and is not going to be, it's going to be incredibly expensive, it's going to be incredible amounts of inefficiency, and it's not going to be able to, there is no average person in America. There's just not. There's so many different types of average people in America, but if you had much smaller local governments, then they actually could get an understanding of what the average types of people are. But just like an average person in Westchester, New York is completely different than an average person in rural Missouri. Just like be more different. completely different needs and wants. Um, and there are completely different types and of goals and lifestyles. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense that the thing that unites them should be an extremely powerful force. Like, I think that there should be if I was in charge of the world, I would create a world government um, that could deal with shit like the coronavirus or shutting down wars, um, but really otherwise would not do much. Just, like let trade happen, try and prevent disease, and try and prevent like conflict. That's the whole. That should be the only job of any government greater than a local government, in my opinion. That's really it's my just, opinion. Just regulation. Like if or, we or just, I if guess, we're like creating moderation, I guess like or just like it would be in the chart like in the charter of the United States Constitution, the federal government is not supposed to do anything that's not directly listed in those in those uh, in, in the nine previous amendments. The problem is that governments are incentivized to keep growing, right? And in the same way that organizations are, right? You could even look at it like you could look at Olin Business School. You could look at anything, right? If you are managing people. You are optimizing probably for your own power. You're incentivized to hire more people and, and start new projects and have more things under your control. And that's the way that every bureaucrat and administrator in Washington has been doing. And the government's just been continuously growing for the past hundred, couple hundred years. So, And all governments basically across the world have continued to just grow larger and larger because they're incentivized to do so. So... I, okay, so my my gut reaction is that a, like, communist system, even on a small scale, is contrary to human nature, that I think people are too inherently, I don't want to call it selfish or self-interested, but you're, it, it's, it's oh. like each person, like, genetically and biologically, I think, probably cares about furthering, like, their yeah. genetic code, like, moving yeah. that forward. So I, I guess, I guess, I think in order for a system like that to possibly work, it would all stem from like the education system there. And like, also like, how do you prevent things in the community that's like, like how do you prevent, like let's say you've got different race in the community, how do you yeah. prevent like kids from looking at each other and go like, oh, you look different than me, we're different. Yeah. 
you know? So like, okay. that, I, is that education? Is that I want to like I don't know. I want that's to. That's not yeah. innate. That's not. Yeah. That's not how people are. You know. So I want to address this, but I want to make a quick analogy first. Something that just popped in my mind, right. um, and I'll just say it, and then I think I want to pause because. I think that in the future, I want to have a notepad here that if an idea pops up in either of our heads, we can write it down and then continue with the conversation. Because like I just I'm like keeping this in my head so I don't forget it. Okay. So I, I think I think we should do that. Okay. But the <laughs> analogy that I was thinking of in terms of governments and getting bigger um, is as it relates to the stock market and really big companies. Mm-hmm. So these massive companies like Procter and Gamble or like uh, Dow Chemical, like these massive massive companies have just been growing bigger and bigger and and they are becoming less and less efficient. And then these like activist hedge funds um, like Elliott or or places like that have have come in and been like, hey, you're too big. We're going to split you up and make it more efficient. Um, And that like works out really well for everyone. I mean, the only people that are against it are like the top managers at the company itself because they want to be controlling massive, massive company. But oftentimes, if there are no real synergies in the business, um, then it makes sense to split up. And in that way, I think America, as it can keep, as long as it can keep its trading synergies, right? If we can stay as a trading block in the same way that the EU is a trading block, I don't think there are a lot of governing synergies by governing create radically different people in like New York and Missouri, right? Like there are some synergies, right? For public health, trade, uh, and defense, but otherwise, like almost every other policy arena, there are not these synergies. So we need some type of activist movement that will come and like break up the parent company in the same way that these activist hedge funds do. And the, problem, the, the problem is that we don't have a mechanism really built in to do that. And like when Jefferson created what was, you know, creating the constitution, he was like, yeah, we'll probably need a revolution every 40 or so years to like shake things. Yeah. To shake things up, and right. like there has not really been something like that. Um, you can't even call a civil war. Yeah, back, let's was just, yeah. Let's pause here. All right, back in. So as we were finishing before, right, we were talking about we don't really have this mechanism to get like a little rebellion here or there. Um, and then then we we paused. We got the notebook just in case we have uh, future ideas because there was some thoughts that you had that I wanted to jump into. Um, but I can't I, even remember what I said. Yeah, it, you know, not not so important because uh, <laughs> over the break we started talking about what are our what what's our role to to deal with something like North Korea right now, right? Like there are people there who are starving in concentration camps who don't have any voice, um, and what is our role um, in terms of helping them? And something that I said kind of right off the bat was, well, first of all. I don't think that the fact that they're far away means that we have any less uh, of of a of a need to help them. Like I, it's something that's pretty radically changed. In yeah, my in mind. today's world, space like distance isn't, isn't really much of a factor. Not, yeah, and I think the fact well, that except we, for the fact that we have these like country boundaries drawn. And yeah. For some reason, we're like, oh my god, like this is like. Well, I mean, I guess that's that's caveman brain group think. Like, yeah. Like, America's my tribe, and those people over there, like, yeah. fuck them. Like, I would very much like to, if anything, create maybe some type of two-tier uh, system, or maybe even three-tier, right? Like, you could have your family, um, and, like, the people you immediately know, and it's fair that you would want to cater to them first. And then, I think even fair to some extent, if you have a, a local community, especially if we're talking about 
the type of idealized society with like you have a community of you know 5,000 people and everyone is kind of in it together in terms of like a commune where like you you care about them but then other than that everyone outside of your like immediate network I think you don't you should be caring about everyone basically equally right like the fact that someone shares the land, piece of land with me like the Missouri is in the same land mass as New York should not mean that I should care about more more about people in Missouri than I do about people in North Korea just because there's a physical ocean separating us so I think one solution to do this, which is what I would hope for in a an idealized society, would be having a world government um, that would be able to deal with these types of things and deal with these types of conflicts, and all the local communities can give an equal amount of, of money, resources, manpower, um, you know, to to this world government, and then they can deal with. Um, they, they can do so have like country taxes rather than and then like oh, local, so like, yeah. like like layers of taxes like same yeah. way it's like federal versus state versus local yeah so like okay and I'd yeah. like to have a really small world government and also small like federal government uh, and then probably we could just do like low I don't know if we need the states of America I don't I don't know maybe we could I, mean, I don't really need them though okay okay so. Uh, first of all, uh, to talk about so to talk about like the difference between uh, like an ocean like yeah. the the in the modern world because like distance is so coverable, the issue isn't physical distance so much as psychological distance. Yeah. It's that it's it's like the availability heuristic. It's like things are just very far from us and not really part of our perspective and not part of our group. So therefore, like we don't care because like it's not it doesn't come to mind readily. So like I guess that's the difference between helping someone. Helping that homeless guy in the street versus yeah. helping like like that homeless guy in the street isn't more entitled to your help than the person who's struggling yeah. in North Korea. Yeah, it's just that they're there. So I can tell you like my philosophy on charity, which is something that I believe pretty strongly in. Uh, I am completely and totally against giving money to homeless people on the streets. I will not do it, and it's not that I don't feel bad when I walk in front of a homeless person. It's just that. I abstract the way, the, the fact that I walk up 2nd Avenue or 3rd Avenue, right, and I give to one person or another person is is completely arbitrary, right? Yeah. Instead, I would use a service like GiveWell to find the charities that are most effective at distributing resources to people that are most in need, and then give the amount of money that I feel is, is a reasonable and, and good amount, um, and maybe that should be higher, and maybe it should be higher for everyone, but abstract away, give money to the most effective organizations, and then I can feel good, um, or at least not feel awful every time I walk past someone that's in need, because I'm like, I did much, I gave a significant percentage of my summer earnings to people that are really in need, and like, that's what I did. And the fact that there happens to be a, per, a homeless person in front of me, like, it, it doesn't bother me in the same way that it maybe bothers other people, or maybe in the way that it would if I didn't feel I was giving enough money to charity. And over the summer, by the way, being in New York, I decided to give more money than I had in, in the, I mean, I have never really had a ton of money to play around with, but I made a, a fair amount of money this past summer and I was living in New York, walked past a ton of homeless people, which encouraged me to give a lot of money to charity, except I gave all the money to like a kind of direct income transfers to people in Nigeria, Uganda, and Kenya. Um, like a really effective, uh, basic income program uh, that like I feel really happy about so well I mean and that doesn't like like 
I can understand someone like saying like, oh, like like if you say I never give money to a homeless person, like I can understand someone's default reaction being like, oh, like yeah. like that's fucked up. But the thing is, if I see a homeless guy on the street and I give him a hundred dollar bill, probably more money than ever been given by a single yeah. person, that doesn't fix anything. Because yeah. what? Let's say let's say okay, best case scenario, best case scenario. Takes that money and goes like buy food, maybe lasts like two, makes it stretches out in the span of a couple of weeks, doesn't fix anything. You yeah. get back a month later and you're gonna see that same guy there and he doesn't have a dollar yeah. anymore. That doesn't fix and the worst case scenario is he goes and buys fucking like heroin. Yeah. And just is like hurting himself and then fueling this really terrible market yeah. that's damaging and corrosive to yeah. everybody else also. And like that's just Yeah. And if you just have an abstract policy of like, let, let's say this, let's say you're like, I want to give the equivalent of a hundred dollars every single day, right? Like you could have whatever you want. If you feel like you want to be giving a hundred dollars a day, then just give three thirty-six thousand dollars, thirty-six and a half thousand dollars to charity, but give it to a charity that is going to be super effective with that money. Um, first of all, also, also, by the way, it will do it pre-tax, which is like, just you get an extra bang for your buck, yeah. but just give your your, do, your dollars are actually going to make a difference, and you can feel like, wow, I actually know that I'm doing a good thing. Like I am giving to a charity. I know that their administration costs are like five, six percent. So I know that that means ninety four, ninety five cents of my of my money is going directly to help people with things that are actually going to change their lives positively. And I know that because these charities have been screened and year after year. And that's like an amazing thing. That's completely my policy on charity. I just like, it, it's not relevant to me that like some one person happens to be like sitting on the street that like I walk by. Like that should not be my decision criteria of who to give charity to and how much charity to give. Yeah. It's completely unfair to the person sitting on the avenue next over. It's, I mean, it's unfair and it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't, make a difference. It doesn't do anything. It's a waste. I mean, or it does less. It does less than giving it to a charitable organization that you know is like, yeah. we're a charitable organization. We buy, uh, you know, we help people get back on their feet. We provide a month of housing. Or like, if homelessness is your issue, give to a homeless charity that you know is going to be doing productive things to help the homeless, not to an individual homeless person on the street who happens to be sitting in front of you. I am also kind of of the opinion that homelessness isn't like the disease; it's the symptom. You know? Yeah. Like I think there's, I think there's, like, like I think something effective would be like offering counseling on how to hold a job and like how to like, yeah, like, just like teaching them how to function or teaching homeless people how to function within like society. Yeah. Would be more beneficial than. Yeah, you know, giving them hundred bucks. I also think that like, and this is this is a little bit off the topic, but I think like generally a really good policy position for like the U.S. to do would be like New York City or San Francisco just has like tremendous amount of homeless population, and a lot of those people are like have mental illnesses, and those are bigger problems. But other people, that's not the issue, and the issue is just like complete abject poverty, lack of opportunity, things things of that nature. Yeah. So like, if you just give people. 10k in cash and a plane ticket to like somewhere like Missouri or St. Louis where like we need people here like that is just a great idea it's great for everyone New York City already is spending $10,000 a year um, you know help helping people out um, that are homeless the homeless people are it's not a good quality of life to be living 
here, but so if you give people $10,000 or, or if you say, we'll give you a one-way plane ticket to Missouri and uh, we'll give you an apartment in like, a, we'll help build a housing project in St. Louis. Like St. Louis needs more people. New York does not need more people. It's a pretty easy fix. That would be, that would be an interesting experiment for sure. That'd be something I'd like to see. Like, why don't we, we, we don't try these types of things because our, our government is like so short-term focused. Um, well, it's because it's because our government's focused on re-election. Yeah, because the people in the government yeah. are focused on themselves and them. Because it's because yeah. it's, it's government is a path of livelihood. Yeah, where their pay is contingent on their re-election. Yeah, and their re-election is contingent on their popularity. Yeah, and so it's, and like, it's, it's a, like, like it's, no one ever handles the shit that's meaningful because yeah. if you start tiptoeing around that, then yeah. people are like, oh my god, like this guy's yeah. doing that. I think. Uh, Singapore has bene a benevolent dictator, okay. and everything is amazing there. It's a bit, he doesn't, he can do, invest in like long-term, not everything is amazing, I should say it's not perfect, but <laughs> it is so good and a lot better than here in a lot of ways because he does not have to be worried about short-term fluctuations in popular opinion by people who barely know what they're talking about. Singapore right? just the city? It's a city state. It's a country. It's, okay, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's like a hundred percent of the population is Singapore. urban. Yeah, it's the it's like one of those urban regions of the world. Interesting. Yeah. So I watched this like inter interesting thing that was uh, it was like it showed a map of poverty in Africa and it showed yeah. a map of urbanization in Africa. The yeah. most urbanized places are the places with the least poverty, which is yeah. Singapore is yeah. incredibly wealthy. There's yeah. almost no poverty there. The streets are sparkling clean. Uh, everything runs on time. Like trains, bus, like amazing public transportation, uh, trees everywhere. Um, it's it's like it's crazy. Like yeah. you would go to, to Singapore and then you go to New York and you'd be like, okay, New York is just like this like, trash. Like, this is supposed to be the best city yeah. on the planet. New York, like there's yeah. homelessness. The subway system is awful, dirty all over. Right? It's 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 kind of insane. And that's run by a benevolent dictator. Now I, I think there needs to be lots of precautions to avoid. Um, the yeah, dictator for, so yes yeah. but I think the it traveling there has made me think like I no longer am like a devout believer in democracy where I once was I was like a, a much more devout believer in like democracy and at least like markets and capitalism I think now I see the value in democracy for some things and capitalism and markets for some things but not for everything Okay, so I also wrote down, by the way, what you were saying before because it popped into my mind. Which you, is, you, were, you were talking about on, on like communes, people that have like different racial differences or like other apparent differences, like how kids are gonna deal with it. We can jump it back has to, to that. The education is, yeah. my, is my thinking. I but, think so. But yeah, in order, I mean, there would be so much try. Like, it's it's how do you how do you maintain a system through? Uh, like failures in in and attempts to get it right. Like how? Yeah. Well, that takes. So do you want to talk about do you want to talk about this or the? Well, okay. Let me write down dictatorship and then because right now probably take a dictatorship in order to hold yeah. things together during that trial and error phase. Like while we're trying to build like this yeah. world government, or whatever so the case may be. Like there needs to be something that that keeps everybody. In, there needs to be some strong force to keep everybody in check. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess that's a whole idea well, behind communism. That's yeah. the, that literally is what they said, right? That so it's like it's a man rises up and takes control, and then eventually, when things are good, he steps back. 
But then the issue is that guy never steps back. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, so, you're talking about the practical flaws. I, I yeah. think, so a well, few I'm things. talking about practical yeah. implications and yeah. the practical flaws for those. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a few a few things. So first of all, if we're <laughs> going to jump back to this previous topic. Um, Do you want to, by the way? I'm okay to, yeah, yeah and then we, okay. can, we can maybe try and connect them. That would, I'm going to see, cool. 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 see if I can do it. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so we, we were talking about how, how we're going to, like, make, you, you said it's not natural. Like the breaking apart of the family structure. The, the, you know, you said when I say natural, I mean it doesn't fit with how human beings are genetically programmed to work. So which makes I, it hard. So what I will say is a yes and a no. Okay. Yes, in that like our straight biology, like biology tells us yes, and definitely the evidence from my own life and like living in America and the West in you know the twentieth and twenty first century, like it just seems readily apparent that this is what's natural but there have been tribes and there are still tribes that don't have the same type of bonds like for example there are tribes that don't have like the institution of marriage in any way shape or form and like it's a lot more open sexual culture and it's not always clear um in fact most of the time it's not clear uh whose whose child uh like the, the a woman will have a baby and it's not clear which man that's responsible for, and and still, all the men in the community and everyone in the community like kind of does uh, raises the child like together, right? Because it's not clear who this, the parent is, and that's almost by design, right? Like no no one knows who the man is that's the child, and right, and everyone kind of comes together and does it, and that's okay. I get why the meme um, in terms of like a cultural item of marriage came up, and there's a really great uh, set of articles. Um, that talk about like the development of marriage and, and meme theory. It's something I've thought about a lot, and like how it's it, the, the game theory of like marriage and how it looks from a man's perspective, a woman's perspective. But putting that all aside, there's another Nash equilibrium besides for everyone gets one partner, which is uh, every woman sleeps with a lot, and everyone sleeps with everyone, um, and then because of that, everyone takes care of everyone's child. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it happens. Sounds, yeah, but it sounds, okay. It sounds crazy to us, right? Well, I mean, not even just crazy. I mean, like, just far from ideal, because, well, I guess if well, you don't care. Yeah, if you don't care. If you don't about, care. Well, or if yeah. everyone is your child. If everyone in the community is your child, right, all it takes is a bit of social engineering. Right? We've already, we have a ton of social engineering right now. We just don't even notice it, right? Like, the social engineer, the structure used to be everyone lived with their wide extended family, right? Like, you just lived with your grandparents and all of your cousins, and that's how it works. But now, we live only with the nuclear family. Yeah. But, like, all of these are just social constructs, right? And even the nuclear family stuff is kind of breaking up. Like, tons of people in America right now are born, like, 30, I, over 30% of children are born to single-parent uh, households right now, right? Okay. And so it's a, like, this, this can, these conceptions of, like, What's the normal family structure, whatever, is, is completely changing. Wait, how so? You're saying it's completely changed. Because there's fewer households that are single parents? No, I, I, more. more. It, you, it used to be that everyone lived in with their grandparents and cousins and both parents and all the siblings. Like, that's how it always was. That was the social structure for thousands of years. Then there's this weird, like, 200-year period, post-industrial revolution, or, like, probably even less, where, like, the nuclear family started becoming a really important thing, especially, like, in America from, let's say, like, 1920 and 1930 until 1980, 1990, where, like, 
everything was like, you know, you got the two parents, and then they got, like, the three kids, and they lived in, like, the house, the garage, whatever, and, like, the grandparents don't necessarily live right there, and the cousins don't necessarily live right there, but now it's all completely changing. Like, lots of people just live in different countries or different regions than their parents and just, like, go far away, and you definitely don't are not going to live right next to all your cousins and, and grandparents, and now a lot of people don't even get raised in the same type of two-parent households. Like, these are all structures of social social constructs, right? If we just do a little bit of social engineering, we can we can change that. Okay, so how does that tie into what we were talking about? So how is it act practically going to happen? You're talking about the practical steps to get to really? a Walden 2 or like, you know, whatever my ideal society is, because it's not the same as Walden 2. But so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying like conceptually for me, the thing that would make sense would be, uh, would be literally like like somehow it came to the same thing like in my head that I guess like Karl Marx came to which is that you need to have some because there, there's going to be trial and error in like the pursuit of getting to the system yeah. there's going to be failures in that because inevitably yeah and those yeah, failures gonna... come in, in terms of like education and, and like let's say let's say if you're on like a generational project and like your trial like let's say your your educational experiment on like the first or second generation goes badly and you end up with an extremely troubled group that like doesn't really work. Well, that's why you want to do multiple, you want to create multiple Walden twos, right? You want to just do a lot of small, instead of doing one large scale experiment, do a lot of small scale experiments. And you you, but what do you do about the ones that go badly? You just let them, you just let them go badly? Well, who's you? Who's you? You is the world government, I guess, in this scenario. Uh, like the yeah, overall, you let them go, you let them collapse and then people will start something else, right? Like, it's 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 natural select, like, I, I am... Dude, cold-hearted. Well, well, by collapse, I don't mean, like, everyone dies. I just mean, like, they, just, like, the system doesn't work, and they either, everyone moves to a new place, and maybe a core group tries to restart something new. That's like, not how systems collapse, though. Systems collapse violently and aggressively. Oh, systems collapse violently and aggressively when their system's made up of millions or tens of millions of people with completely conflicting interests, right? Like, if you have a small scale, like in California where I was, there was, uh, in the 70s, there was a small scale community that, like, was, like, a few hundred people and they were trying to do some type of commune thing and, like, it was working for a little and then it, like, stopped working and everyone kind of just, like, moved away and it, it kind of didn't, it didn't really work so it didn't pan out. Like, there's, the only reason there'd be, like, massive violence and turmoil would be if there's a massive system that exists in the first place. I'm advocating for small local systems that their collapse would not, it's not like, the United States right now is too big to fail in the same way that like Soviet Russia kind of was, right? Like too big to fail in that like if shit goes down, there's global risk, right? I'm advocating for like small communities that are not anything like too big to fail. Like if they fail, then like people will migrate to other communities and okay. like that's what would happen. So I don't think, I don't think, um, like violence and like like outbreaks like that are necessarily. I think size plays a factor. Yeah. But I think the like real inciting thing is is well. So we we're talking about a concept in OB that was called like about fault lines. Yeah. And you know about the idea of fault lines. Yeah. Where it's just like it's like if you're in a group, if there's ways to divide people into groups, like whether it's like like groups within that group, like. Those are called fault lines, yeah. and I think when things start to break down, those fault lines can be quote like activated, and then so like then the groups that like are 
like them, and then that group is split into groups along these fault lines, and then those different groups also sure, have yeah. different conflicting interests, and then that's when things then the community should split up. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm totally okay with the with the premise that then the community will split up. Okay, I don't have any in the same way I don't have like an inherent value on the United States of America. Like if I started a community and like it wasn't going well, or like it got too big, or like there were two different points of view on like where to continue, I'd be like, all right. Let's just split. Let's just do different stuff. Like that is okay. I don't. It, it the the conversation I'd be very interested in having. I, I don't think I have the answer to. When this might be where it ties into the dictatorship thing is how do you ensure that the world government or the planners of each local community, like how do you ensure that the incentives are in place that individuals won't try and grab more power? So that is the real question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's I think that's like similar, funnily enough, to the problem that we have in. Our government right. in the U.S. today, just in terms of just in terms of, because what drives you to get more power, like ego, and the thing, and like like the things you can do for yourself with that power, or or the appreciation, or like like knowing the power and control you have over other people, like it's 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 a want for for things for yourself. It's selfishness that is like yeah. the driving force behind uh, seizing power, behind like doing things that aren't for the greater community, mm-hmm. and so I guess. I guess, I guess the best solution is, or I guess I wouldn't call this like even a solution, but I would say the people who need to be the planners or the president or whatever, or people who don't want it, or people who have no interest in having that power and to a certain extent hate the position. People who, when they yeah. are done with their five years, oh. are like, fuck this, this sucks, this isn't me, I hate this. So I in, think, in, in yeah. Walden too. The worst positions right. to have are the managers or the planners. They're the only ones that have to work more than two credit hours a day. They're doing a public service is what they're doing. It's a real public service, and they're not, like, known and popular and famous for it. And then they're done after five years, and it's not like, oh, after you're done, you go get a cushy job as a lobbyist or, like, write a book. Like, you're, like, done. Yeah. And, like, you go back to being a completely normal citizen, and, like, everything's normal for you, no special powers, Nothing. So like that's how that's one thing that needs to happen, but there needs to be more than that. Like I think on a on on a small scale, if you have a community of under five thousand people, I don't think you need like any type of real policing. And assuming you do the community correctly and no one is like there's no devastating inequality inequalities or imbalances, and people feel like they have a stake in the system and feel good about the system. Um, like that's good, right? What you need is something to prevent one society from coming into the other society uh, and like stealing their shit or beating them up. And so therefore you need a more powerful government. And the question is, how do you constrain that more powerful government from becoming too powerful? Um, And I think what you just need to do is write like a really strict constitution, like similar to our Bill of Rights, but like a Bill of Rights for local governments where like they're like, we're going to create a federal government, but the only things it can do is, like, pandemic defense, um, um, you know, military defense, uh, and, like, create, like, free trade. And anything more than that, they need to get, like, a unanimous vote from, like, every local government in order to, like, do anything else above and beyond that. Like, that would be my ideal federal government. Would be, like, you literally can do, like, three things, 
and everything else, and and then I would have the local governments give like free education and free healthcare and these types of things because they know actually how to do those things, and to be able to allocate the resources efficiently in the ways that the people would want them. And it's okay if some local societies are like we don't want to have government-run healthcare, and it's okay if some of them say we do want it, but those will be the decisions of the local people. So, but I, I don't understand. I don't know understand what you're saying is the solution to the person in the central government trying to get too much power. Well, you just have oh. a strong constitution. Strong constitution. Yeah. And what prevents them from just being like fuck this constitution? You know, if there's no like army, if there's no force in play, like just because they're like it's like yeah, words on a page. Yeah. It's lovely, but like if I'm the one in charge right now, it's gonna stop me from just. Yeah. You know, I think the key. Well, it the, up, the key is that you don't actually put like you would put. So the UN has, like, the UN peacekeeping force uh, is made up of people from a bunch of different countries, right? So, like, my ideal, let's just say we do America and we do, like, a million small communities or, like, uh, 100,000 small communities of 3,000 people each, right? Each of those small communities will send a few people to be part of whatever military, the, the greater global government, or even if they each send one person, Right? to be a part of the military or whatever, such, such that the goal is that no one has, lo- I don't want people getting loyalty or nationalism towards the general federal world, right? People will have that still loyalty and dedication towards their local leader and the, the person who happens to be in charge their of- local leader, like the quote planner? Or planners. Area. I mean, maybe you can just completely get rid of the concept of one local leader. Like you could have some type of there's a figurehead person and then a committee of people that actually run things. Um, I think they probably should be different people. And I think the figurehead, different people. I think the figurehead shouldn't be making decisions. Maybe the figurehead be, could be breaking ties. Like literally just just the communicators. Someone who goes to the yeah. planner. Or they could also break ties. I mean I think break ties maybe. The way that the like the Fed does it is like you have like fourteen people um, on on like the Federal Open Markets Committee. And then, like, I think if there's a tie, the, the Fed person has, like, two votes or something. But it's 7-7. Seven, seven. Like, uh, you should uh, lower uh, your yeah, And yeah, then yeah. the Fed chairman is the one that gives, like, the speech in front of everyone. Like, that could be how, like, most communities are run. And I think in a similar way, like, the, whatever kind of federal larger jurisdiction there would be would be run an extremely similar way. You have, like, a figurehead, but they don't have absolute control at all, right? They have, like... So they have the same amount of control as everyone else, and then like if there happens to be a tie, they can overrule it, which I think yeah yeah is, I understand, is, I understand. is fine yeah uh, so like similar to like the vice president and senate kind of exactly similar yeah. to the vice president and senate I understand um, okay this is so, a great song so I mean all of good songs <laughs> so uh, great album possibly mm-hmm. the greatest album of all time from our wow wow. Um, just for me personally, just because of like personal attachment, yeah. whatever. Anyways, uh, so I think in terms of like I get I like the concept of having a diverse global committee that's gonna keep things like sane. But I also think I think it's important for like yeah, it's no, it can't be because look, it can't be self-selecting that government. It can't be people like because that's the thing about our current system. The people who get to be president are people who go, oh, I I want to be president. And I think you can't have that. Yeah. Because when you have that, those people are, like, they're like, oh, I want to be president because, like, like, even if you walk in and say, I want to be president because, like, I want to make a good difference, you end up 
doing things so you can get elected, you can get reelected, and like you're you're, you're so helping like, yourself. So helping in, yourself. in my view, something so in not, world something so, so it can't be self. So like here's here's an option is like this world government could be run in the similar way to how the U.S. Senate originally was, which is like right. Let's say you have like a hundred local governments or whatever. Um, each the head of each local government, right? The spokesman for each local government can nominate one person that's not themselves to be like a candidate for the general president um, or something like that, um, or could or could nominate one person, or, or like maybe there'll be like a region, like there'll be like the ten in our region, the ten leaders in our region will come together and nominate one person to be a candidate for like the committee or something, and then the committee comes together and picks one person from the committee to be the spokesperson. Like, things like that make a lot of sense to me. Like, that type of, it's not a direct one-to-one -one democracy, but like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll draw this on paper. So, so you have if, like, I, but if I nominate someone, like, why would I just not nominate, like, my friend or, you know, like, well, like, like I, the idea of one person nominating someone else to me doesn't, doesn't, so, well, it doesn't, it doesn't follow as a way that's, like, fair and that will result in, like, an ideal society, because I so, think you're just gonna... Okay, so imagine you have, like, a hundred communities, I just drew, like, random circles on the page, um, now, each of these communities might have, like, let's say 3,000 people in them, right? Whatever, so you're dealing with, like, lots of people, maybe 3 million people in this, in this ideal landmass, wherever it is, mm -hmm. um, and then you might say, this is a region here, and this is a region here, whatever, you, you make like five, okay, you make these five regions. Now, you have to remember that- Are in, those two meant to be overlapping or not? No, 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 whatever. Okay, I just okay. made like five random right, arbitrary yeah, circles. Within each of these circles, right, there's a thousand people who have a committee of managers. Can you draw me an individual circle? Like how does this Sure, I'll, I'll do a zoom. I'll, yeah, do yeah. A, I'll do like a, a zoom here. So you have an individual circle and there's 1,000 people and there's like a committee of pick a number, let's say 14, why not? Because the fed, or 10 people, whatever, there's 10 people with one spokesperson, right? So you got a thousand people in society. But the spokesperson is not part of the committee. Um, no, the spokesperson can be, is, the, is like the VP. He's like one of the 10 members on the committee and he happen, happens to have a double vote. I think. Or you, the, ten, the thousand people have the 10 person committee and that 10 person committee votes among themselves for that one person, whatever it is. It so for me, I think the traits of a good go-between and the traits of good decision-makers are not at all the same thing. Sure, but you want them to be able to have some, right? Because you want that person to be accountable and have some actual power, right? If they're going on foreign relations, they have to have some impact besides just being a, a figurehead. And, well, not a figurehead, just a, just a go-between, but also a tiebreaker. Because you want them in all Sure. Yeah, okay, right. so that they're the they're a committee member only in the fact that they're a tiebreaker. Let's say that. Okay. It's by the way, they, it's there. the same fine. Sure. So they there's a, a thousand people, ten people in this committee. Um, if they're ever five to five on something, this one person can do something can do something about it. Then in each of these regions, the one person from each of these regions um, selects maybe one person from from all of them to be like that region's person that's on the main committee, right? So now you have five people on the central government committee, one from each region, um, and then and then they all select like one person to be the figurehead for the broader landmass, right? And it, it's basically, and, and in all the cases, it could be like an even number system. 
and like it's not a direct one-to-one -one representative democracy this is just like a basic scheme of how something could look where everyone is basically accountable um in some way to the original people but also um they there's no way for this one person to like make decisions such that he can enlarge his own power in the way that the president of the united states can okay so what I wrote down right there yeah. is like the concept of so like you're like you're saying that like it'll work as long as everyone feels like 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 I'm happy with the society like I'm happy with but I think like a lot of discord just in general like it's it's the human experience is a group experience with very much an individual experience yeah so I think like what if you what if you think it's a good system but you're unhappy with yourself Ooh. so you oh. Oh, you're not yeah. unhappy with the system. You know? with your I mean, or, or like there's just issues that like I think or, provide free or, therapy or even, or, or even or even in terms of in terms of like this it's like you have that committee of 10 people like let's say I'm I like this one guy like there's still there's still there's still people you know yeah. like I'm gonna like three people on the committee and I'm gonna hate six sure and so does that mean I like I form a committee within the committee of like me and my boys like my friends on the committee like like, well, like, I mean, the idea the, the, would be the only issue I have with this conceptually is I think it takes it takes a two uh, it's a satellite. You I know? think you're looking at it a little a little binary. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, I definitely am looking at so it like, like a very human. So I'll say a couple things. So the first thing I'll say is like most of the decision, and I, we can uh, take a picture of this chart and show it. For but sure. um, most of the decision making power will be like the thing that relevantly affects most people's lives happens in this bubble right in their main bubble the greater general self right is just having the government that's going to allow for freedom of movement protect for public health stop military stuff and allow like trade right like that is what this guy is responsible for and that's what this committee is responsible for holding him accountable for but most people's lives are going to be governed by this committee right here now i would imagine if you have a group of a thousand people right you want to have something like in walden too where the the people on that committee are chosen from like all different areas of the society, right? So that it's not like, oh, me and my homies. Like you have the, you have the equivalent of a cabinet, right? You have like one person who's in charge of transportation, one person who's in charge of health, one person who's in charge of education, one person who's in charge of whatever it is, right? Um, and it's not like, oh, like there's like the Republicans and the Democrats or like, my homies and the other squad, right? Like but that's it, how people are. Well, or, why? Why would it? What's, what's, so what's going to take the politicking out of the system? In that committee of ten people, what's oh staggered? Sta so staggered terms. Everyone has, let's say, a two-year term, and they're all all sta like you, there's not lots of overlap, right? Everyone has a two-year term, or however you want to play it, three-year term, but such that it's completely staggered, um, and new people are constantly filtering in is like a major, major, major thing. Like I, I think you might be, maybe maybe I didn't say it before, but I think it's a real factor that shouldn't be underestimated. Um, and then just like generally the fact that you're not beholden to like a political party or like to elector, like to, to short-term politicking or anything. Like I think that will help people get on somewhat of the same page for like a vision for the, for the economy and for, for the, the society and if there do become two distinct competing visions like you're saying might happen i would say split up into two smaller bubbles like right away like it does not the, the democratic party right now let, let's say a society was the democratic party 
I would say, nope, this is not one. Like, one guy is like, Bernie Sanders wants like, healthcare for all and like, free college, like all, lots of different stuff. And like, one guy's like Joe Biden, who's like, I basically want the status quo, but like a little more healthcare, maybe a little raise of the minimum wage, but like, like these are two conflicting visions of society. Amazing, each of you go do your own vision. Perfect, this society is now two societies of 500 people each. If you think that there's really going to be like a complete divide, if it's always gonna be like five versus five with these conflicting visions, just split up and do something else. Okay. So, um, Okay, so I'm gonna make one comment on that, but I think there, I think the there's like a underlying. I don't want to call it disagreement, but I think we, I think there's like a reason like I'm not necessarily like getting this the same way you are, yeah. and um, or I guess I'm just not like I don't I don't see it like I don't understand it the same way that. Can we pause for one second.